Well, the first scary thing that happened was I was just coming through the car park. In fact, I was coming, driving, singing. We will not bow to the gods of men. We will not bow to the gods of men. And then I walked in, and you were singing it. It was like, whoa, that's really something. And then I felt to just bring this book that said, Turn the Tide. Because that's a prophetic thing. He's turning the tide. He's turning it. We're not turning it, by the way. He is turning the tide. So, yeah, I just said to, to Heidi, I'm completely undone, actually, with the worship. I don't know where I am at the moment. But if my mascara has run, I apologize. It's, it's been that sort of a morning of just great, deep feeling of the presence of the Lord. And, you know, I generally don't get, you know, sort of, images when I'm worshipping. I'm just having a go, you know, worshipping. And But I felt I was in the presence of the saints this morning. I went somewhere where I haven't been for a while, just with the saints, just worshipping and, and crying out. And we keep saying, you know, with more and more funerals when you get to our kind of age, there will soon be more people up there than down here. And that's actually our aim. That's where we're going. That's where we belong. It's good, isn't it? John 18:36 You say that I am a king for this reason I was born and for this reason I came into the world so that I might testify to the truth everyone who is of the truth hears my voice and then Pilate said to him what is truth it's a very famous quote everybody knows that one but we actually live in a world that's a post truth society we do so whatever we say is true. I mean, years and years ago, you probably won't remember the beginning of it, but I remember a man called Duchamp, who's an artist, and he took a urinal toilet and turned it upside down and said, this is an artwork, and it's called The Fountain. Yeah, and you go, no, actually, it looks like a urinal. No, no, I say it's a fountain, so it's a fountain. And that's what truth or post-truth is. So... Yeah, we can no longer criticize. And there's a famous quote from a man called Volter. I like quotes. He said, to learn who rules over you, simply find out who you're not allowed to criticize. I think that's a really interesting quote. And in Jeremiah 6.10, it says, to whom can I speak and warn so that they can hear? See, their ears are uncircumcised, unable to hear. The word of Adonai has become scorn to them. They have no delight in it. And on Friday night at uh, Hannah's, we were, Hannah was sharing about the time of Ceausescu when she was in Romania and the, the terrible persecution where, where believers had to meet in caves. That's right, isn't it, Hannah? And they were removed. You know, people would just disappear without any comment because there was a post-truth system working. So when there is no, no truth, there's actually no right and wrong. That's the problem. Here's another quote from our mate Steve Maltz. Jesus Yeshua is a Jew. If we are to represent him, we can't strip away that fact. The church has done so, but we can't. Praise God here, we can say that. And no one's throwing things at me. That's really good. 
Zechariah 8, verse 1. I am exceedingly zealous over Zion. I am burning with jealousy for her. Verse 3 says, Thus says Adonai, I will return to Zion and dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the city of truth. And in verse 16, These are the things that you are to do. Speak the truth to one another. Administer the judgment of truth and shalom in your gates. Do not let any of you devise evil in your hearts against your neighbor. Sadly now, dishonesty is part of a post-truth world. You know, it's just normal to lie. You've only got to be a teacher to know that when you challenge kids. Weren't me, miss? I saw you. Wasn't me, honest. You know, and kids have a tendency to go straight there if they can get away with it. And, uh, yeah. So now we have kind of, yeah, truths that people say. For example, you know, if you're teaching, well, I had a girl once in my class who wanted to be a boy. This was years ago when there was no, no such thing as gender dysphoria, dysfunction and stuff. And it was a difficult issue to deal with. But I prayed a lot for her and encouraged her. And as far as I know, she grew up to be a beautiful young girl, you know. But there was a moments of difficulty. But not so now, sadly, sadly. And, you know, people are afraid to actually challenge lies. Because they themselves don't know what to believe. Or they are offended. So in other words, people are saying, you know, how dare you challenge my identity? And, you know, according to some people in this society, we can choose our own gender. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I was hearing at a prayer meeting from our sister Glenn, who was saying that somebody she knows, relative, had just called their child Meadow, because now we have gender-neutral names. I mean, when I was young, we had Leslie, and then one or two others, but I don't remember any more. But now you can call your children what you like. And apparently, she said, there was two girls, twins, two girl twins, born in uh, Sheffield, called Jupiter and Zeus. Yep. But we do tend to believe what we're told. You know, if I say the word Judas to you, I guess that you probably have an image straight away of Judas Iscariot, because that's who we think, don't we? And we say, you Judas, so we use it now. But actually, his name was Judah, Judah man of praise. It wasn't Judas, it's become Judas Iscariot. But his name was Judah. One of the brothers of Jesus was called Judah. So we kind of skew names and then we imprint on them and project stuff on them a bit. So we need to be careful what we call our kids, clearly. You don't want to call them Dolores, which means pain. I remember Fred saying, years ago, Fred Wright saying that somebody came to him for prayer who had had a very, got a very bad leg, and she was lame. And as he was praying for her, he said, you know, what's your name? And she said, oh, it's Claudia. And he said, but that means one who has pain. So a one who limps, more specifically, one who limps. So, you know, he suggested that she might like to change her name. Because sometimes these things come upon us, and we need to really break them off. You know, other examples are those in the Bible, like, you know, Bartimaeus, but Bar-Timaeus, the son of Timaeus. And in one of the translations, it says that Bartimaeus was the son of filth, because he was son of the one who tucked out, chucked out the dung, out the dung gate. And it was an office rather than a name, you know, like Bill or 
or Jim. So, and also Barabbas. He was Yeshua Barabbas, because Yeshua, Jesus, was a very common name in the time of Jesus. It was very normal. So, yeah, let's be careful what we say and who we, what we name. Isaiah 59, 14 to 15 says, Justice is turned back and righteousness stands far off. For truth has stumbled in the street, and uprightness cannot enter. So now truth is missing, and whoever shuns evil becomes prey. And one of the favorite verses from Psalm 11, verse 3, If our foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? A great deal is the answer, but we have to make sure that our foundations are true. Which is the last time I spoke, I spoke about not being afraid. And I issued a challenge. And then the snow came the next week, so I couldn't come and say, so what happened? But let me tell you one thing that happened when we were ministering in a, a conference. Um, and I, I spoke on, on, on evangelism, actually, and, and then challenged them on fear. And then Rosie and I and a few others said, well, we're going to go out on the streets tomorrow afternoon, so anybody wants to come, come. And we thought, well, maybe a carload you know, five would be nice. And about 13 people turned up, three of whom were eminent writers, academics, speakers. And it was like, whoa, this is really amazing. They never go out on the streets. But they, you know, one of them said, I have never been challenged by anything that I've heard this week, I think he said, if I'm quoting correctly, then I need to deal with fear. So we're coming. So what we usually do is, because it's right to worship when we get on the streets, because that opens a portal, and the powers of the Holy Spirit can come really come down and just do what he wants to do. So we're out there, and um, we said, well, we're going to dance. I mean, I was really just trying to, I'm following him, I don't know what I'm doing. And, and uh, so we just danced in this little park with these other people who don't dance. And, 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 and these three men, these two of them particularly, uh, people I really respect, writers, you know. They dance, didn't they? And I'd heard this guy publicly saying more than once, I don't dance. I speak, I write books, I don't dance. And there he is dancing. And this other big guy, they danced. And then we broke into twos and threes and off we went to witness round Grange Over Sands. And things kept happening. And they prayed for people. They may never have to go out again, by the way, but they broke off fear. You see, now we have to be able to do that. That's how fear works. Once you've done it once, you're not bothered anymore. It's a wonderful thing to be free. And we need to keep pushing in for freedom from all fears. So I want to actually share a dream with you. <clears throat> it might seem a bit random, but stick with me. This was a dream I had uh, two or three weeks ago. In this dream, I was being interrogated. The interrogation was long and vivid. The interrogators knew <clears throat> nearly everything about me, but they didn't know what I'd actually done. But I felt to tell them the truth. It made me not afraid of them. Eventually, after leaving me on a chair in a room, you know, and it was funny, because in the dream, I was there hours. I was on this chair for hours and hours. I've never had a dream like that, that was so vivid, I would recognize all the, all the 
accusers if I saw them again. I could facially, and, and their voice recognition, everything, it was amazing. And I was sitting on this chair, and then in the end they brought me some coffee, which I don't normally drink, I drank the coffee. And then after a while I'm still sitting on the chair, I needed to go to the loo, so I shouted to somebody, I need to go to the toilet please. And so they directed me across the courtyard, and there were two women there being harassed. And I knew one of them, and they were being pushed around by these men. And some were standing doing nothing, watching. And I went over to them and said, you know, you must help them. We must do something. Uh, but one man was already down. He was already, he was already damaged, and he was down on the ground. So in the dream, I laid my hands on him to pray for healing. And they said to me, what about the worship book? Tell me about the worship book. And then I woke up. And it was like, whoa, God, what was that? I mean, I, this is early in the morning, you know, three in the morning at one. And I waited on the Lord a long time. Lord, what does this mean? And then I felt he gave me this interpretation. The dream was a future time where truth is seen as a lie and lie a truth. And you will see such if you are set to follow me. And yet you are not afraid. This is the key. Do not be afraid. In the future days, decisions will need to be made in an instant. So settle the answers now, before time. Repeat them so that you won't forget. Enjoy these days of liberty, for they are numbered. And steel bindings will try to muzzle the truth. But know the moment, know the time, I am with you. The fabric of life is under threat. So I must be so woven into the fabric of your life. The last great ideologies of demons are about to be released. Pray much for those who have already lost themselves in this lie already. Rescue the lost. Speak life. Walk it out. And it felt really impacting. Whoa. So the point is, in a po post-truth world, we attract the demonic you know, because there is no truth. And you remember the attacks in Paris, I think it was 2015, 130 people killed? Now, at the time of the Bataclan rock concert, you may know this, and probably Andy shared this already, I wouldn't doubt. But at the time of the attack, uh, the group on stage were playing a song, Kiss the Devil, see? At the Manchester Arena, Ariana Grande, who I'd never heard of, and I'm not bothered. She was singing her song apparently side to side. The lyrics were, tonight I'm making deals with the devil. See? And what was more ironic, and everyone was saying then immediately, oh, we're praying for the victims. That's a crazy one. So are we going against the flow here in bushfire? Yes. That was a very small yes. Thank you, Richard. Are you going against the flow? Yes, amen. Of course, and it will set us apart. It's going to. And the remnant church can't. You know, I have to say that the Church of England has already crossed that line. 2017, voting in favor of transgenderism and homosexuality. You know, sadly, there is an apostate church. And they've already caved in, actually. But we're not caving in. So we have to watch out and be very, very wise in these days. And we were in the cathedral last week. I was out with a friend doing a bit of witnessing. It was raining. Um, 
we went to the cathedral. I'm not much fond of the cathedral, but there we were, because, you know, it's quiet and you can talk. And we were just seeing what was going to happen and just praying around quietly. And I saw a girl there just lighting a candle, and I felt she was the one I needed to speak to. So by the time we'd um, talked to somebody else, she was leaving out through the gift shop, and I thought, I'm going to chase after her and stop her because we've just got to go for it. So I ran after her and said, um, saw you lighting a candle. Were you praying? So she said, no, I'm a visitor. She was an American businesswoman, and she was only visiting Sheffield for a couple of weeks. So I said, do you have five minutes? Yes, she said, I do. Come then and we'll chat. So we, we talked, and um, she was lighting a candle for a friend who got cancer. So I said, well, can we pray for your friend? Yes, you can pray for my friend. So we began to share the gospel with her. And then she listened very well. We sat and chatted for probably nearly half an hour. And then she said, I have a question. What's your view on homosexuality? So I said to her, I just had a, you know, a word, a strong sense. I said, you're a lesbian, aren't you? And she said, yes, I am. So I said, let me tell you, and I'm so glad we'd actually been to um, hear some really hot on teaching that kind of prepares you rather than just blabbing out what we know we could. And so I just felt to say to her, there is a God of truth. And when you receive him, he leads you into all truth. And the truth is that God says that he will change you. Do you want to be changed? Jesus, I know exactly what you're saying. I've been guilty in the past of going, this is what it says in Leviticus. You know, you'll be damned and you'll be blah. And then in Revelation, it says, outside there'll be the idolaters and everybody else. And, you know, because we know it is actually the truth. But God gave us kind of such a heart for this girl. We just loved her. Isn't it great love? It can come in such a moment. Compassion of Yeshua is everything. And so we prayed for her. Karen. She said, I've got a lot of decisions to make. I said, you have, my love. But she got it. So praise the Lord. We're no finish, longer finished preaching for d d speaking to this girl, and she went off, and then a young guy came, who, and we, he was taking photographs. Would you like us to take a photograph of Yes, that would be very nice, thank you. Fell to talking to him, and we shared the gospel with him. He said, well, I, I have been to churches before, but I couldn't kind of get on with them. No surprise there. And it was just another moment to just share the truth with him. Would you like us to pray for you? Yes. You say, it's simple. We're going out next week, aren't we, Liz, after church, just to see what God's doing for half an hour. Anybody wants to come can come. But thank God we don't belong here. I don't belong here. I'm here at the moment, clearly. I think I've got another good 20 years. I'm full of hope that I have. But we don't belong here, you see. We're going somewhere. And we can, I can actually see the attraction of closed communities, can't you? Where you feel you want to get, get out from this really dark, demon world. You know, like the communities that you know, dr draw off them to Iona and places. And, you know, in the Mea Sharim in Jerusalem, you know, the ultra-Orthodox have got that bit right. That the church and the, and the world and everything is, will infect them. So they remove themselves. But, you know, we're in the world, but we're not of it. You know, that's a hard one to work out, but we've got to do it. So, hallelujah. 
It says in Revelation 2.24, hold on, only hold on to what you have until I come. That's it. So we've just got to hold on. And we have to be a redeemed group of people. And in Mark 3.14, it says he appointed 12, whom he also called emissaries, so that they might be with him and he might send them to proclaim the good news and have power to drive out demons. And there are plenty of them out there, aren't there? And plenty in the church. Yeah, and there's always a strong man at the door. But no one can enter a strong man's house unless he first you know, ties up the strong man. So getting people free early is actually what Jesus did. Yeah. And he said, repent and be baptized. Not when the weather's nice and we can get a paddling pool out in the garden which, or whatever. I think there is merit in repent, be baptized, and get delivered all in one day. Why not? Who says it can't be all in one day? Because that's what Jesus said. Repent and be baptized. Not until you've done the booklet, you know, that you have to go through, or wait a year or six months or whatever until it's convenient for the church. Do it in a bath. I remember in Thorpe Hesley at a friend's, somebody had got saved. And so we said, well, we can baptize you. All you need is water and witnesses. You don't need anything else. So we went and baptized him in the bath. But I've learned it's, it, we did it warm. It's better when you do that in a bath to do it cold because it should be a shock, you know, really. So it's, you go down in the water, you know, all your sins from one king, you come up in the other, in the other dimension. Hallelujah. So... I want to mention about this, this thing because I think it's relevant for us that when I got saved, you know, long decades ago, we didn't know anything about deliverance, you see. And I was recently having a discussion. I want to say this, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong theologically. You know, believers are not, you know, if we're truly born again by the blood of Yeshua, we can't be demonized, but we can have trouble from evil spirits because they will hide in you. And I was uh, a, a case in point because I'm, you know, I've been involved in all sorts of occult, been a spiritualist, done all sorts of stuff. And, um, and when I got saved first, nobody said, well, you need deliverance from this young lady because nobody knew, did they? We didn't know that, did we? Wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit. So it took ages to get baptized in water because we didn't know what to do, you see. Nobody said. But I was kind of under a dark cloud for a very long time, struggling with all sorts of stuff but truly born again, truly loving God. And it wasn't until I went to somebody else's church where there was a guy there giving a prophetic word, somebody here who needs deliverance, and I'm thinking, I wish they'd hurry up. I wanted to go to the loo. It seems to be a feature in my life. I thought, I wish they'd hurry up, you know. And then as I'm looking over there like this, and suddenly I heard this voice kind of over here going, it's you. And so I said, well, I have a question. I put my hand up. I said, well, I've seen people in the spiritual work, in the spiritualist church being healed. So what's the difference? And everybody went, <gasps> <laughs> And I, I, you know, it was how it was. So this lovely guy called Eric Townsend, he was a vicar. And he was spirit-filled and he knew how to deliver people. Yeah, amen. So he prayed in tongues. I'd never heard tongues before. He prayed over me in tongues and he told me everything I'd ever done. Bad. He did. You've read palms. I was very good because the devil wants to manifest himself very strongly in us, you know. And you've done this and you've done this and you've read. Da, da, da. 
I've been to saints. Yeah, I've done all that. And he said, well, those, that's an evil spirit and we can, get, we can get rid of it. Are you willing? Yes. And so he just prayed for me. Do you know, it was no big deal in a sense. But what happened was something lifted from me that I knew had been upon me for a very long time. And darkness went and the demons flew. And I was set free. And we must not be afraid of demons. We are to put them to flight because we have authority over them. And the best time to get demons out is when they're being baptized, when people are being baptized. And often there is manifestations during a baptism. You know, if we're discerning, we can say, that's an evil spirit. We'll cast that out right now. You don't want that going through your life. So we can be immediate. So, yeah, we can't bow down to anything. We cannot bow down to the gods of men. We can't. We've got to make strong decisions because we have to resist the enemy and he will flee from us. Which is why the story in Daniel 3 is incredible because I love the story of Daniel uh, anyway. And I know you preached on it, and didn't you, for a while. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The point is, they were not expecting trouble. They were assimilated. They were Jewish people. They were accepted. They were advanced in position even. And they were minding their own business when suddenly, bam, you know, the world and darkness and demons move in. If you don't agree to bow down to the golden idol, you are going into the fiery furnace. Bow down. Sign here. That could happen to us. Particularly if you are a school teacher, a social worker, or a nurse. They're really gunning for you. And in Sheffield at the moment, there's a case that I read um, of a guy from Africa who came to train as a social worker. You probably know about this case. And because on the Facebook, he put some declarations of truth about what he believes in the Bible. And, and they removed him completely from the course. And it was, yeah. So things are happening. And, uh, yeah. So if we don't agree, if we won't prefer gender norms, say, and we decide we are going to share our faith, then, you know, we're going to be in big trouble. And it's going to come soon where people say, sign here. Very soon. And it's, it's not far-fetched. I read this. There's lots and lots of things out there, but I read this. In Adelaide, a university student was suspended for offering to pray for another student who was stressed over a work. He was asked about his views on homosexuality, to which he replied that he would treat any gay person kindly but did not agree with their choice. He was suspended in order to undergo re-education classes for homophobia. And this is becoming almost normal. There's lots of books out there where you can read stuff. And everybody I think probably knows. Northern Ireland, we go there a lot. We minister a lot in Belfast and are again soon. This guy, James McConnell, 77 years old, was preaching in his own church, Andy, charged with making grossly offensive remarks about Islam. And he was preaching on 1 Timothy 2.5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, and that man is Jesus Christ. That was his text. So, you know, you preachers, if you preach anything against homosexuals and preach anything offensive in our truth, you can be arrested. Sign here. Andy Tip Lady. No, there you go. On to a winner. Sometimes we're on our own, aren't we? Sadly. I mean, I want to know 
when Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were going in the fire. Where was Daniel then? Anybody got any wisdom? Because I don't know where he was. Maybe he was off somewhere doing something on King's business, probably. Sometimes we're actually on our own, aren't we? And usually when there's a big thing happening, we are very on our own. But we're not really, are we? Because he's with us. So we have to be very, very wise. I want to tell you another thing about decisions I've learned in my life. Um, I used to play in a klezmer group, which is a Jewish folk group that um, plays in you know, weddings and bar mitzvahs and stuff like that. And we were asked to play once for uh, something in Rotherham. It was, uh, it was an event, and you, know, you just get the gig thing, and yeah, yeah, I'm available, I, I can do it, whatever. And then nearer this time, I discovered that it was um, a multi-faith thing. And I, you know, I said to the klezmer girl, well, I'm not very happy about this. I don't do multi-faith. And anyway, they, it was a, a big ballet gown, a, bit, a lot of stuff happened. And they said, well, look, we've arranged that we play first, and then you can go. So I said, okay, that's fine. So when we arrived, I think it was at the, that big church in Rotherham. So as we walked in, the first thing that hit me were five big uh, posters, the five pillars of Islam. And I'm thinking, this is not going to go well. I didn't know anything about the thing because I was only there to do the music, you see. And there were people from lots of different nations. That was nice. The people from different faiths. And there was with the Jewish group. And we were right at the, I don't know what that bit's called, near the chancel, near the altar bit up there. We were there playing our music at the front. And there was Lord Ahmed. Probably you've heard of him. He was a um, Muslim lord, I think. Must be, if he's called Lord Ahmed. And um, he was the main speaker, apparently, and there was other groups from other faiths speaking and stuff. And I'd already said to the group, I'm not listening to anything. I'm play I'll play the music in the pre-prologue thingy. As soon as the thing starts, I'm going. And anyway, because we were buried at the back near the, the altar bit, everybody was kind of in front of us. And there was loads of civic people. There was loads. There was hundreds of people. And it was like, I've now got to walk through the, the whole lot. And I got clicky shoes on. Oh, I so didn't wish I got those shoes on. And I got a trumpet and a music stand as well. And the group were trying to say, just sit still. Just, just stay. It won't, you know, the, it's nothing. Just take nothing. I mean, they're, they're not going to take any notice. These are Jewish secular people, friends. I said, no, I can't stay. I'm going to go. So as soon as they introduced the main speaker, I got up with my music case and my trumpet, and I clicked, clicked, clicked. <laughs> and I had to walk right in front of poor Lord Ahmed. Oh, I've got nothing against personally, I absolutely want to say. He seems a very nice man. But principally, I couldn't. Now I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't even go, you see. But I didn't know. I'll, I've learned something from it. Yeah. But we must be wise people. Another good verse, Ecclesiastes 10.4. If a ruler's spirit rises up against you, do not leave your post. I like that one. Stick to it, folks, because we're going to have to. So, and then the looking up, you know, the abiding, the love, the loving each other through things and helps us to decide that we won't bow down to the gods of men. We will worship the God of Israel. That's what we're going to do. And it was so amazing because this is where I wrote, wrote down, teach them the song, but you've already done it. Did I? Oh, well, it wasn't, wasn't such a miracle then, was it? 
Yeah. Let's look at it now then, shall we? It's got a few statements to make which I think are interesting. But, you know, it's true, isn't it? We cannot bow down to the gods of men. And we've got to make the decision before we get to the moment when we're challenged. And that's really all I wanted to say about that. Because it's, history repeats itself, does it not? You know, story of Esther. The same story of caps, you know, captured, assimilated Jews who were elevated, you know, to positions, tolerated. And yet evil came. You know, it says... Esther 3, 8, same lie. There is a people whose laws are different to ours. It is not the king's interest to tolerate them. Verse 9, if it pleases the king, let an edict be written to destroy them. And all the king's servants were at the king's gate, bowed down to Haman, for the king had commanded it, but Mordecai would not bow down or pay him honor. The truth is under attack, but not all facts are true, are they? And we've got to be sure that we know that. So, yeah, the final thing I just kind of want us to challenge, be challenged with, before we get up and make some strong declarations, is there seems, I don't actually read books about, I don't read many books. You know, years and years ago, somebody, Harry Howells, his wife, said to me, read too many books about the book, read the book. And the book is everything. But anyway, somebody sent me a clip from, um, you know, a portion of a book talking about a new Greek enlightenment that was coming upon the church. And you just think, no, 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 there isn't. Because we have to be able to speak the full gospel 
and it seems as if there's a, 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 a thing going on where we, we say, well, God is so good, he's not going to judge. Because he's good, he's going to judge. That's the point. And hell is a real place. I mean, how often we actually hear the word hell ever spoken in churches these days? You know? Jesus wasn't afraid of it. Yeshua was not afraid to say, hell is a real place. And you, wouldn't, you and I would have been going there if it wasn't for the grace and the love of God. I deserve to go there if it wasn't for the blood of Yeshua. You know, death comes and, and judgment is real. But praise God, he's delivered us. Hallelujah. And God's love and truth is not like ours, actually. But God's already spoken. He's not going to say anything else. He's given us the word. And he's loving and he's truth. And he's, he's dangerous. You know, everybody knows the quote from Lion and Witch and the Wardrobe, which I will say again because I like it. Mr. Beaver talking to Lucy. So is he safe? Talking about Aslan. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. And he's the king, I tell you. And that's who he is. He's amazing. He's big. He's a truly awesome, but he's dangerous. Because sin will not abide with him. And not everything's like to scale. I recently sent for some little red pots I wanted to do with a project with some kids. And I got them on Amazon. You get everything on Amazon, can't you? So I'm, I was very excited to get me three pots to discover that they were about that size when I assumed they would be that size. Because when you're looking at, you know, pictures, you don't know. It's not the real thing you're looking at. It's an image, you see. It's not the real thing. And, you know, sometimes things aren't to scale. And we don't see the truth to scale sometimes. We diminish it sometimes. So, yeah, and truth isn't always to scale. And we, we, yeah, and sometimes people are worshipping an idea about God and not really worshipping him because he doesn't fit into a post-truth world. So we have to write it now. We have to decide today. Last week we were ministering in a church in Chesterfield and um, we had a, I took a pair of gates and it felt right to say to people, today is a day of decision. They just lost um, a, a significant member of their community, sadly. And they're all in disarray. But today, as you make your decision, even when you're reeling, decide you're going on. So let's decide now, folks. Unshakable faith doesn't mean we won't have prolonged trials. We will. But we will not bow down to the gods of men. Are we going to decide that? Yeah. All of us. Can I ask, brother, can I just ask you to come out, please? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Is this Steve? <laughs> the reason I just felt a prompt from the Holy Spirit to say, Steve, come out, because you don't like coming out to the front, do you? Much. But you're out, aren't you, now? Yeah. Is there anything you want to get free from? Good. So coming out is good for you because you're making a declaration of freedom by coming out. I just felt a, a sense of, I don't like to come out to the front and do things from the front. But you know, God really loves you, Steve. He really loves you. And he likes you. He likes being with you. And you're not to be afraid of anything. Anything. 
anything. You're a bold man. You're a bold man. You're bold. Because Yeshua says you're bold. And you belong out here at the front more than you think. And that's what I wanted to pray. Is that all right if I just pray that? Is that all right? Thank you. Father, thank you for Steve. I don't know anything about him, but I like him. He's my brother. (laughs) And Father, I just pray for Steve that you will release him more and more and more from all tension, from all things that would hold him back because, Lord, he has got a lion inside him. And we pray for boldness, boldness for Steve, that this place where he stands at the front to witness will be a familiar feeling for him, a place where he can declare your your goodness. And Father, we just bless Steve in your name. Amen. Is that all right, my dear brother? You don't mind me doing that? Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Well, that felt good. So praise God that he, he really wants us to go for the places that we don't normally occupy. All of us. Is there anybody else who wants to be free from anything? Because we have leaders here who can pray for you. (laughs) Yes, come out, brother. Do you want to say anything? I'm Dan, by the way. Um, So, um, I have three children. Can we just do one thing to finish with? It's not you, Dan. You're all right. You're released, my love. Be blessed. You know the song, We Shall Not Bow Down. What I want us to do to finish with, if if you don't mind is we want to get into we will not bow down to the gods of men so nobody sit down please so can we can you play it and we're just going to make strong declarations as we go out you know this week because these things come like a fog over our thinking if we're not sharp they start to enter into our fabric and we kind of think well maybe it's okay if i just don't say anything Maybe it's okay if I just kind of like just let it go over my head. But we have to be so sharp. So my prayer is just, Holy Spirit, let us be sharp and really know the times and the seasons and really know when it's time to press in. And we will not bow down to the things of men and the demons that would come and uh, delude us. And we make strong declarations. You know, we do, Dan does, we all do. For the sake of the kingdom, amen. Can I just add something? Whilst you just organised, I just feel a real strong um, impression, and I do feel it's from the Lord, um, about marriage. And there has been an attack on your marriage. Now, if you feel there's been an attack on your marriage, I want you to come to the front. I do believe there is an attack on marriage. And... uh, it's the little things. It's a real, and I'm not talking about little, little things. It's quite big things because they're important to the Lord. But if, you're a, if you feel, if there's an attack in your marriage, come to the front. Because as, these, as we make this declaration, I want you to stamp on this. As a representation, you're going to stamp on this. Okay? Yeah. So, Father, we just pray now for the protection of these marriages. And Lord, we stretch our hands out and we cover them, Lord. We cover them 
as brothers and sisters in Christ. We cover them and we cover their marriages and we say no more. No more attack on marriage. But Lord, let the turn of the tide come forth. Let this turn of the tide come forth now in their marriages. And I pray, Lord, for every marriage in this room that it will not be separated. That, Lord, that the demonic attack will not separate your marriages or any other marriage in this room. If you're a man and you're standing next to your wife, you give her a big hug. Because that's the true covering. It's when it's a man covers the woman as Christ covers the church. And we're to lay down our lives. Good one, Angela. We're to lay down our lives as Jesus laid down his life for the church, for our wives. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you for each and every one of them. Can, can, can I have uh, two ladies come and give Maureen and Liz a hug? Yeah, as representation of, of, of a covering. And then, do you want to give, just hug Dan. Just give him a hug. Yeah. We just pray, Lord, for blessings upon marriages right today. Blessings upon marriages today. And Lord, to cover them in your presence. Give them peace that will transcend all of their understanding. To guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. And I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you, Lord.